I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss the articles and other pop culture musings. And for today, my only updates are some more thoughts on the Miley and Caitlyn sitch because I heard that they were spotted together at Soho House, Malibu, all over each other, making out in the bathroom, making out by the bar. But that being said, I stand by what I said in last episode that I think they're just having fun. I still think they'll both end up with men. But if they are getting married in Italy next fall, um, I'll eat my words. So that's my only update this week, I think. And we can just get right into this week's articles. And this first one is a plump one, a juicy peach of an article. Like there's just so much to unpack here that I apologize in advance that we might be spending a little bit more time on this one than we usually do. And this is called Lady Kimora, The Baby Fat Designer Returns by Allison P. Davis. And this article is accompanied by an incredible painting by Roberto Parada showing Kimora in all of her baby fat glory check it out i think it's stunning it could be hanging in the white house much better than a trump uh portrait if you ask me so it's unintentionally become part of this podcast to discuss the resurgence of the early aughts and this article is no exception and to lay the setting for this interview i'm gonna read you kind of a hefty paragraph so get your snacks and your tea ready y'all okay so here we go kimora lee simmons spots someone at the table across from her She's at her usual haunt, sitting with legs crossed in a plush poppy-colored armchair in the opulent lobby restaurant of the Hotel Plaza Athene. I have no idea how to pronounce things in France, or in in France, in French. We've established this. She makes eye contact with an older black gentleman sipping a beautiful drink in a crystal glass. He gives a smile and a nod of recognition. She returns the nod in kind. Simmons, the one-time model and one-time mogul, loves it here. She has spent stretches of the summer in Paris since she was 13 when she was plucked from a modeling school in a St. Louis mall, signed to an exclusive Chanel contract, and selected to wear the coveted last look in Karl Lagerfeld's 1989 Haute Couture show, a wedding gown for the fashion industry's child bride. Success in money led to frequent stays at the Plaza Athenae like a barely adult Eloise. She threw her children's parties here. Once there was a Marie Antoinette theme. She spent time with here, here with her ex-husband, Def Jam co-founder Russell Simmons, who she met when she was 17 and he was 35. Ew. Editor's note. As in me. Does she know the man across the lobby? Not really, Simmons says. They've never talked, but they're both often here, sitting in the lobby, having snacks. She explains out the side of her frozen smile, lips barely moving, as if she were her own ventriloquist. He's probably someone important because everyone here is somebody. He's probably like the king of Zimbabwe or something. Uh, The cut added four A's in the middle of Zimbabwe, so Zimbabwe. There's no king of Zimbabwe. There's a president. It's not that man. (laughs) Oh, this is when the cut is at its best. When It's just a little bit shady, but in, you know, a friendly way. I feel like this article overall is positive towards Kimora and showing the accomplishments she's made in making streetwear mainstream and but I do like that they get the little jabs in there because that's just so funny talking about her turning streetwear into a movement I really think it did and as an aside I'd also like to discuss the comeback of Von Dutch 
Do you guys remember Von Dutch? It was those trucker hats with it. the Von Dutch was kind of in cursive. I feel like Paris Hilton, like Simple Life days, really popularized these. I either had one or really wanted one. And I remember wanting to go to like Fred Seagal in uh, LA because that's where Lindsay Lohan was always packed and she was always had her Von Dutch, like her Von Dutch bowling bag and her hat. Anyways, fast forward to 2019. And I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with Emma Chamberlain, but she's sort of become a representation of Gen Z, whether they like it or not. And any sort of mainstream publication that talks about her, whether it's the New York Times or Vogue, they kind of put her on this pedestal of being the voice of a generation. And I think Emma is so hilarious and down to earth. I've actually been a fan of hers for a while now. I find her videos really entertaining. Like, they're just stupid and mindless. But I feel like she is herself or a character of herself, whatever it is she's choosing to be that day. And I applaud her for navigating the fame that comes up with blowing up on YouTube overnight. And I think she's done that really well because she really was sort of an overnight success story. I mean, she had posted a few videos. She had one about going to the Dollar Tree that went super, super viral. And after that, I mean, she jumped from, you know, a thousand to a million subscribers literally like overnight. I mean, don't quote me on that, but it was a very quick rise to fame. And so that's just some background on Emma, not to get off Kimura too much here. But my point of all of this is that Emma just did a video with Vogue that was posted on YouTube. And in this Vogue video, they kind of followed her around in 24 hours in her day. And during this, she had a pink Von Dutch bowling bag. And I have to add that Emma's like very stylish. She's sort of that Urban Outfitters, you know, visco girl aesthetic that I feel like a lot of younger girls are aspiring to be this days. It's kind of like this uh, generations high school kind of what they aspire to and I think she does a really good job of dressing like that a lot of vintage stuff a lot of like faux vintage stuff um, and she's very thin she's kind of model-esque to begin with and anyway she's just looking super cool with this freaking pink Von Dutch bowling bag which literally has no business looking good it's objectively an ugly bag it's it's hideous but she makes it look cool and in that moment I was like wow it is official the early aughts have arrived if it wasn't official already it's official now emma chamberlain emma chamberlain says so so back to kimura uh so this is just thrown in as a parenthetical in the cut article but get this it says the vintage purveyor and fashion historian gabriel held reports selling his entire archive of the brand to rihanna last year as in the entire archive of baby fat uh can you say iconic on so many levels like do you think that Rihanna in her house just has a closet of baby fat? Do you think she keeps it in a safe? Do you think she keeps it in a storage shed? I don't know why this podcast has made me infinitely more interested in the going ons of Rihanna's day to day, but now that I know she smells good and that she has the entire baby fat archive, I just, I love her even more than I used to. Okay, so moving back to the article, uh, <laughs> This part, I was just, ooh, cringe. So as the waitress is walking away after she's kind of having trouble understanding Kimura's order, she's, Kimura says, yeah, don't make me hit you in the knee. Simmons says the waitress is departing back in a quiet, sing-songy voice. She adds Splenda to her whipped cream and turns back to us. I'm very aggressive. There was a thing years ago, you remember, at Vanity Fair? I said one time I'd beat a bitch's ass, and she printed it on every page. And only now my kids have seen this article. Uh, that profile by Nancy Joe Sales came out in 2005. And I'm sorry to go on another tangent here, but do you guys remember the show Pretty Wild? 
To this day, I think it's the best example of reality TV to exist because it unwittingly stumbled upon members of the bling ring. And Nancy Joe, the very same Nancy Joe that Kimora is talking about, wrote an iconic article about Alexis Nyers, which spawned the infamous, I wore BB Ken heels conversation. So here's some more homework for you guys. If you haven't seen that show, and in particular, the brown BB kitten heels clip, please get into it. That show is so wackadoo. And I think the funniest part about it, though, is that in it, the mom teaches her kids the secret, which I'm sure as you guys are all familiar with, is basically just manifestation put into kind of a digestible way of thinking. And I, I had already been interested in the secret before seeing this show so seeing this it kind of freaked me out because I was like okay these people are whack jobs like complete and utter whack jobs and they also believe in manifestation so now I'm reevaluating all of my life choices that's how my thought process went back when Pretty Wild first came on and this was years ago I think I was in high school anyways Nancy Joe, an icon Alexis Nyers an icon and apparently now she's doing really well and like married and has kids and she's sober so yay Alexis <sighs> okay, getting back to Kimora. So this is a paragraph talking about her children. And it's one of her children's names is Aoki. And it says, Aoki's more interested in business strategy than design. Though she'd like a preppy baby fat collection. Blazers and skirts she could wear on campus this fall at Harvard. Simmons proudly announced her daughter's college acceptance on Instagram, writing, She really did it on her own merit. And we're really so proud because Aoki can't row or anything like that which was seen as a dig at the actresses embroiled in the Varsity Blues scandal. And wow, I know we haven't discussed it on the podcast yet because I guess it's sort of old news at this point, but the Varsity Blues scandal is one of the juiciest things to come out since the bling ring. It is insane. And if you don't know that it, it, what it's called, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's the whole thing with Lori Loughman, Felicity Huffman, and obviously way more other high-powered rich people who just didn't get as much press simply because of the fact that they're not household names, uh, were basically paying a company with, and it's not they, they were just paying a company to get their kids into school. They were engaging in shady stuff like posing photos of their kids doing track and rowing when their kids didn't do that. So that's Varsity Blues, and I think it's hilarious that Simmons like called them out on that. Um, but it, it's also just funny to me because I'm like, when you are the kid of a famous person, your chances of getting in the school in and of that are already so much higher. You know, like, I'm sorry, I don't even, you might have straight A's, but even if you didn't, you're a Simmons. So, like, you already kind of have a leg up, and it doesn't matter if it's Harvard or wherever you're gonna get that leg up so again I'm still very confused why the Laughlin's paid to get there and cheated their way into USA because I'm telling you those kids would have gotten anyways but that's the story for another day so Kimora says that she wants baby fat to be a heritage brand she wants it to be Chanel and to that I say dream big baby girl I also have to add that she asked the reporter who Alexander Wang is L-O-L. She doesn't give a single fuck, and I love it. Another important tidbit that I got from this article is that she met her now husband in a meet-cute on a plane to Hong Kong. Chic. 
And another fun tidbit about her husband. Last August, he pleaded guilty to charges that he had conspired to launder money and admitted to bribing officials in Malaysia and the UAE. He forfeited $43.7 million, is barred from the banking industry, and paid a fine of $1.4 million. And as for her ex-husband, Russell Simmons, more than a dozen women have come forward with rape and sexual harassment allegations against him since two, since November 2017. So, <laughs> although she might not have varsity blues did her ways into college, uh, her current husband is maybe not the most upstanding guy, but according to her, he was really just a scapegoat for the company, so uh, who knows? But honestly, baby fat, I am rooting for you. Kimora, KLS, I am rooting for you. And considering that your Forever 21 collab sold out in one day, I think it's going to be a booming success, and I can't wait to see how it goes and maybe even cop a piece for myself. All right. So our next article, imagine turning your motorcycle accident into a photo shoot by Amanda Arnold. Now, this to me is so dark, and I don't think the cut really communicated well enough how dark this is. So a lifestyle blogger has come under fire for posting artsy Instagram photos of herself after getting into a motorcycle accident. This is all quoted directly from the article. Her name's Tiffany Mitchell. Uh, Tiffarelli on Instagram, and she's a Nashville-based lifestyle blogger with an Instagram following of 211,000. She writes on her website that she loves, and I quote, all the things, and that is the sort of specificity I live for. So to give the basic facts, on July 31st, she posted an Instagram slideshow of herself getting into a non-fatal motorcycle crash, and the pictures, as the cut note noted, and I agree with, they are filtered, they appear to be art-directed, and they are eyebrow-raising. Uh, the post is now deleted, but if you Google this, you can find them. Uh, and in a lengthy caption that accompanied the photos, she described this scary, magical series of events of that day. And she says that while she was riding home from taking photographs, she misjudged a curb, went off the road, and hit the pavement. Um, and apparently during this ride home, her friends were driving alongside her and photographing her, which I mean kind of makes sense because when you're an influencer, you kind of have the fo camera on you at a lot of times. And the really big ins uh, Instagrammers and YouTubers literally have photo crews that and video crews that follow them around. So it's not that that part of it is so far fetched. I think it's more the fact that she decided to post this and that is why it's my theory and some other people's theories on the internet that this is the strangest spawn con that I've ever seen and I've seen some freaking strange spawn con I mean if you've ever seen an advertisement for pork on Instagram you know how freaking weird it can get so not everyone thinks that the crash actually happened noting that she has a propped up motorcycle her friends just happened to be driving alongside her when she crashed her bike but the most important aspect of the photo to me is the untouched bottle of smart water with the logo conveniently facing towards the camera and as the cut notes we all know bottled water brands are horny for a good old product placement maybe she was supposed to be just doing a spawn con with smart water on her motorcycle that's sort of what i think what happened is that she had planned to do a sponsored post of her riding her motorcycle and talking about how she uses smart water on her trips to keep her hydrated and then this crash accident happens and she realizes wait 
this is probably going to go viral because it's a crash. It's drama. People love drama. People, I can make them feel bad for me. And while I'm doing that, I can get in my spawn con and I'm killing two birds with one stone. I'm giving that company more than what they asked for. And everyone wins, except not everyone wins because she took it down and now people are shitting on her in online articles. But in the end, I still think influencers know that all publicity is good publicity. I would have never known who this chick was if I hadn't read this. Tiffarelli, but now I do. Now I kind of want to stalk back and see what other spawn cons she's had just to support my theory. So I don't know, say what you will, but... It's all suspicious, a little suspicious. I don't know. My favorite part of the cut article is where it says, has Jennifer Aniston responded? As of now, neither Smartwater nor any of their hydrated faces have publicly responded. Um, I'm waiting for them to though, because I would love for them to, the thing is they don't want to implicate themselves in this, but I would love for them to make a statement, either extricating themselves from the situation or owning up to the fact that they did have a brand deal with her. All right, so we're moving on to our last article of today. This is another request from one of my most loyal listeners, Virginia. Shout out to you, I think, for the third time, and she's getting married soon, so yay! Um, I think about this a lot. The time Robert Pattinson blatantly lied on the Today Show by Dana Schwartz. And actually, now that I say this, I'm not sure if this was a request from Virginia or Liz, so love both of you. You guys are both loyal fans. Um, so we last discussed, and I think about this a lot, article with the John Mayer and the Mayorcraft. And Jessica Verone, girl, I'm still waiting for you to respond to my DM. But guys, I have an update. Today I went back to that article and there was a new comment from six days ago. And it was from someone named Alicia Yardell. Can I just say bless these people for putting their first and last names on their cut comments so that I can easily find them on Instagram? So, of course, you know I found her on Instagram, and I messaged Alicia. And this is what her comment said on the cut. It says, I went on the Mayorcraft. He actually did a second one in 2009 that left out the port of San Pedro and went to Cabo San Lucas. Both cruises were amazing, and I would 100% go again, with about 10 exclamation marks after it. So I basically sent her the same message I sent Jessica, asking her for, you know, if she mingled with John, if she saw him in the swimsuit, if he performed. And I'm hoping and praying that she responds back. And to make it even more obvious that I had DM'd her, because you know how like when strangers DM you, it goes in another mailbox? I even responded to her comment on the cut and said, Hi, Alicia, uh, I DM'd you. Like, I would love to talk about this on my podcast. So, guys, keep your fingers crossed. We are getting to the bottom of this Mayorcraft experience if it's the last thing I do. So back to the article about Rob Pattinson, this pertains to the press tour that Rob did for Water for Elephants, which if you remember, or you probably don't because it did horribly, was it was based on a wildly popular book and it co-starred Reese Witherspoon. So he was being interviewed by Matt Lauer. And I almost just want to insert the audio of this interview because I feel like it'll do more justice than me reading it to you, but in case I can't get that to work. It says, Matt Lauer opened the interview about the thir- circus-themed movie by asking if Pattinson ever dreamed of running away to the circus. No, Pattinson responded, he did not. The first time I went to see the circus, somebody died, Pattinson said. One of the clowns died. How did he die, Lauer asked. Pattinson answered immediately. His little car exploded. The joke car exploded on him. Matt said, are you serious right now? 
seriously yeah my parents had to everybody ran out it was terrifying it was the only time i've ever been to the circus so the today's show obviously ran this out online with the headline for robert pattinson circuses are scarier than vampires because if you'll remember this was also at the height of his twilight fame so at this point is when I had to go watch this interview on YouTube, and it's so bizarre because Rob is laughing the entire time he tells it. Like, no remorse. So to me, it seemed pretty clear he was kidding, which is why I think Matt Lauer asked him, like, are you serious? Because he had a joking tone as he's saying all of this. But it is uncomfortable, and Rob, honestly, the only way I can explain it is that he looks bedraggled. That, that's the only way I can describe it. So fast forward a couple days, and I guess he's being interviewed again, and he says... I said those things, but I actually made the whole thing up. It's coming back to haunt me. I said it on some show. It was really early in the morning after the day, the day after the New York premiere. Someone asked me what my experience with the circus was, and I was like, I have nothing interesting to say. I don't know why I said that. Honestly, my favorite part about this is him just hooing the hell out of Matt Lauer and the Today Show. Like, referring to it as some show, and Matt is just someone, is fantastic. And the cuts summed up my feelings perfectly on this. All Pattinson really did was trivialize being interviewed by Matt Lauer, which is even more satisfying now in 2019 than it was in 2011, when Lauer was just your run-of-the-mill tool. So, Rob, you've gained a fan in me, and uh, I've hated Matt since he got rid of Anne back in the day. That was all his fault, and Anne was a treasure, and she was a kind soul, and that was so messed up. So, you deserve this, Matt. And I also have to applaud this masterpiece of a poetic ending. Robert Pattinson telling Matt Lauer a fake anecdote was a pointless shout into the void, like eating a table full of pastries when you know your life will restart the next day. Life is meaningless. Celebrity is false. One day, even Twilight and its hordes of fans will be dust, like a made-up clown in made-up clown car. We're all going to die. <laughs> I mean, the cut's tone can just so wildly twist and turn from one side to the other and that's why I have a whole podcast dedicated to it I really thought this article was amazing I really would like to befriend these people who write these I think about this a lot like Dana Schwartz if you're looking for a new friend in Florida if you need a place to stay in West Palm Beach feel free to hit me up um and guys maybe like if this ever gets more than like 20 listeners per episode I could start interviewing these cut journalists like that would be so cool oh my gosh can we please manifest that for me I've never really done an interview on a microphone but I think you know like this podcast it would probably start out like shit and then gradually get a little better so again let's just put that out let's secret that out into the world like Alexis Nyers and maybe I'll buy some kitten heels in her honor and just hope that that happens for me and on that note let's get into this week's legit shit so if you aren't familiar, I talk every week about legit shit that I like. I also do a segment on my blog, but sometimes I like to share with you my little special pod of podcast people, things that I haven't shared with my blog yet. And this week, it's about smart suites. Now, damn, I wish I was sponsored. I wish I could get a single sponsor in any aspect of my life because damn, do I buy shit. Uh, but these are gummy candies that are low in sugar. My favorite... Of the four varieties are the Sour Buddies, which are kind of meant to taste like Sour Patch Kids. And they are so delicious. There's like five different flavors in each bag. They only have three grams of sugar. No sugar alcohols are very high in fiber, which brings the carb net carb count down to like three grams, just the sugars basically. And they are so good. And I swear they, 
they really do have fiber because they keep me full. I'm still skeptical about the nutritional facts on these because they're so good and that these taste so good. So it's the peach rings and the Sour Buddies, in my opinion, are by far the best. I've tried every variety at this point, and those are plant-based. Uh, actually, I ate the other ones that had gelatin in them, which I'm sad about and regret, uh, but the other ones are plant-based, so you can eat those with no regret. The Swedish Fish ones, the Sour Buddies, and the peach rings are all plant-based. And I really think if you order them, you will like them. You can get a 12-pack for $30, which I realize is really expensive for candy. But I swear, like, a bag is so satisfying. Like, you could even take it to the movie theater with you. And, you know, if you want, like, a little bit of a healthier option, super, super good. And I think with the Sour Buddies, you get, like, a really good amount in the pack. The Peach Rings and the Swedish Fish, you only get a few. And they don't last as long because they're bigger, so there's not as many pieces. But you can really stretch out when you're eating the Sour Buddies. Like, you can stretch them out over a while. And on that note, uh, that's the end of this podcast. I'm sorry that Gurgi continues to bark. And I still hope you'll give this five stars and subscribe. And I will see you next week for episode eight. Woo! Bye! Y'all, I'm hitting you with some bonus content right now. Late breaking news. Bethany Frankel just quit Real Housewives of New York. And it's never going to be the same. And I'm shook to my core. I don't even know what to say. I don't know if Ramona and Luann can carry the show. Okay, goodbye for real. Ah!